Well, everybody, welcome to the Youth Ministries podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time to tune in, join us on this episode. And today is a special episode. We're being joined by Brother Stan Gleason and Brother Nathan Santamieri. Am I saying that right, gents? Okay. Yes, sir. Nailed it. Brother Gleason helped me. He prefaced to make sure I got the, the pronunciation right, and I uh, still need to make sure. But we are so grateful that they are here. Uh, Brother Gleason, of course, he is the Assistant General Superintendent for the UPCI, also pastor of the Life Church in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, Brother Nathan, he is the youth pastor there. And so today, they're going to unpack the subject, discipleship in the youth context. And many of you would know this, but Brother Gleason has taken the past several years and he has really championed this whole concept of changing how we evangelize the world, changing our mindset toward reaching the lost uh, from an event-driven model, uh, I would say, to a discipleship model, to a uh, penguin instead of a stork model. That's just a little teaser for his book, Follow the Lead, yet to read it. But anyway, guys, it is so great to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, why don't you take a moment and greet all of our listeners today? Sure. Well, thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be here alongside with our student pastor, Nathan, and to uh, say hi to everybody. It's a joy to have a few minutes with you. Of course, Matthew, we admire and appreciate you and your leadership and uh, from such a great family. Of course, we love your dad, and we thank God for all that you're doing there in Fredericton and beyond. And uh, Brother Nathan has been our student pastor for the last five years, comes to us from New Jersey, came to Kansas City for a job. He thought just for a job, but he ended up coming right at the right time when we really needed a champion to lead our students. And he and his wife, Datha, are doing a fantastic job. The youth group is thriving, they're growing, they're making disciples, they're having an impact. And so uh, I'll just let Nathan uh, sort of weigh in here, and then we can chat a little bit about changing the world. Thank you, Pastor Gleason. Thank you again, Brother Matthew, for this opportunity. And uh, as Pastor said, uh, student pastor here at the Life Church of Kansas City, and um, absolutely tremendous opportunity to learn from the man who literally wrote the book on discipleship, but to really see how we can impact our world, as you had mentioned already, from just being an event-driven model to really that one-on-one -on -one relationship and to build something special in students and to create a culture of what the book of Acts looked like each and every day. And as Pastor said, right. this is something that we live and we breathe and we're excited to talk about it today. Yes, sir. Um, well, I will just uh, let the audience know that for the next few moments that uh, Brother Gleason, Brother Santamieri, they're going to dialogue a little bit, talk about this subject. I do just want to say um, this is not the first time that I've had the opportunity to interview Brother Gleason. It's the first time I've interviewed uh, both of you at the same time. And uh, just to let everybody know the kind of caliber of, of, of man that Brother Gleason is, when we were done that day, um, you took me to dinner. So, and you paid for my meal. And I felt that was so backwards because he was kind enough to give me his time. And really, I said all that to say, uh, where are we going for lunch after this, guys? <laughs> That's right, and I always buy. Nathan will tell you that. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, we're I'm in another country, and the borders are closed. So maybe I can uh, do an Uber Eats for you guys or something. <laughs> maybe there's a Tim Hortons right on the border. Perhaps, maybe. <laughs> well, take it away, guys. I'll relinquish uh, the next uh, ten or fifteen minutes to you guys. Take it away. Sure. So I guess if you write a book, that makes you an expert. But the truth is that uh, the Life Church is still quite a long way from where we want to be. 
And the more I read the book of Acts and the Gospels through the lens of making disciples, the more I realize how much we still have to learn. Uh, I did not write the book on discipleship, but thank you for the compliment. It's already been written for us, literally in the Word of God. And Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. And it's unfortunate that we have done just about everything else we can think of, just about everything else we can come up with to reach the world. But most of the things that we do are not really natural. Most of the things that we do have to be on a calendar. They have to be, you know, plugged into, you know, the youth calendar or the church calendar or our calendar. And that's not really what Jesus meant when he said, go make disciples. Included in the range of meaning is the literal rendition of, as you go, make disciples. Don't go anywhere special. Don't be a superhero. You know, don't, don't try to, you know, jump off a cliff and, you know, just do something amazing for everybody's, you know, entertainment value. But just as you go, as you go, wherever you are, have a disciple maker heart. As you are, at wherever you go, wherever you are, have a there you are spirit, a there you are mentality. And the whole, the, essentially, discipleship is nothing more and nothing less than a more mature person in Christ coming alongside a less mature or not at all even born person in Christ and taking them to the next place, taking them to the next step and taking the journey with them. And so, uh, you know, I know people ask me all the time, how do you create a culture of disciple making? How do you get away from a program-based outreach you know, church calendar to a more of an organic, and I would even say more importantly than that, book of Acts model of reaching the world. Uh, and I think there's three or four things that a student pastor uh, could do to begin to shift the uh, the uh, culture of the student ministry. And I think the first thing is you have to talk about it. You have to talk about it publicly. You have to talk about it privately. You have to insert it into every conversation. Uh, you have to bring a piece of it into every message. You know, sometimes we think that as speakers, we get up and preach these world-class sermons, and they're going to last for 12 months, and they have this big shelf life. And, you know, the day I realized that that is not the case was this literally happened on a Sunday morning years ago, I got up and said, now, how many of you remember what I preached last week? And about 12 liars raised their hand, <laughs> trying to earn points with the pastor. Yes. And, uh, and so I was so disappointed. <laughs> and I turned toward my wife and I said, well, honey, I know for sure you remember what I preached last Sunday. And she sort of shrugged her shoulders and raised her hands, you know, with palms up, like, I don't have a clue what, what you preached last Sunday. Well, the reality is, I think sometimes even I forget what I preached last week, let alone... Well, you just stole my punchline, but thank you very much. I, I had a Apologies. mental... Uh, I, I literally, it went out of my head. And I said, wait a minute, I don't even remember what I preached last Sunday. And we just had a great moment there. But I'll never forget that. So I don't ever overestimate, you know, the effect. You know, a message is only for the moment, really. It's just for the moment. Uh, 
And if it's a visionary message, we understand that vision leaks. And so we have to uh, back up that vision with a culture. And I learned a long time ago that culture will eat vision for breakfast. If you, can, if you preach a great vision, but you don't have a culture to back it up, it won't last. It's not sustainable. So I think that's the first thing. Is, but we do have to cast the vision as student leaders. Secondly, we have to model the behavior that we want our students to uh, replicate or duplicate. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. That's the second thing. We have to model the behavior we want to see reproduced because our students won't do what we say. They will do what they see. And then I think thirdly, we need to tell our stories, but not just our stories. We need to tell their stories. We need to tell their stories. And because what gets rewarded gets done. And we need to make heroes out of our students, not out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think Brother Nathan is ready to, you know. So Nathan, what, what have you done in our VSM, which is Vindicated Student Ministry, to, to help uh, impact our students with a disciple-making attitude. Yeah, and I think that um, what Pastor said at the beginning is culture, you know, it, it's paramount to everything we do. So when we um, built our youth team out, every every conversation that we had with those that are on our youth team was about the vision of the church, which is discipleship. It's never been about our vision as a youth team. It's never been about my vision as a youth pastor. It is, okay, how do we model what we're going to do? And, and this looks different for every youth group, but um, even youth events where it's a kickball event or, you know, whatever that looks like before COVID, every event was driven towards what the vision of the church was, and that is to make disciples of all nations. Does our youth group represent what our church looks like? Do all of our messages that come across our youth pulpit do? Do what we do, does it, does it model the vision of the church? And so um, I think that the most important thing as a youth leader and somebody that's in youth ministry is that that submission to that vision has to be, and as Pastor said, it's got to be paramount because we, we see that duplicated. But we have to understand that it, it can't just be something that we talk about once a year at the beginning of the year. Every message has to have what discipleship looks like in it. And, um, you know, there's, like Pastor said, you know, that not every message you're going to preach, you're going to remember. But I can tell you this much, every conversation that we have with students, we're intentional about it. And a perfect example of this is how the culture seeps through everything. I had a conversation with one of the students and they were dealing with a very big issue in their life. It was a sin issue. And I, I'll never forget my conversation to the student was when it, when it really clicked for me, Pastor, was... I asked him, I said, how is this going to impact your disciple? Mm. And their, their moment of sheer panic was, what in the world will happen if my disciple were to ever find out about this? Wow, and that conversation. Awesome. And since that moment, I can tell you that the student has been on the straight and narrow. They're at Bible college right now, and they're making disciples where they go because it was, it was a, yeah, if my parents find out, okay, we'll go with it. But that person whose eternity is hanging in the balance by every conversation, by every interaction, it literally transforms. And when that culture seeps into everything that we do, it begins to, it, it, it impacts our conversations, whether it's about a sin issue or, or maybe not even a sin issue, just something that's getting in the way of our relationship with God. So I think the culture from a youth leader perspective is you've got to, you've got to embrace it and it can't be your vision. It can't be your theme. It is, this is the vision of the church and everything that we do has to be compliant with that vision of discipleship and saying that 
whether it's a song service or whether it's just a time where we're gathering together for fun. And, um, you know, our Christmas party, we invite all of our disciples and we talk about discipleship at our Christmas party. It's fun. There's marshmallows flying every which way during a snowball fight, but it's fun. It, but at the end of the day, it impacts everything that we do. And um, one other piece that I'll add to that, Pastor, is celebrating the successes. Mm. We've got students who, um, who do an incredible job of making disciples. And um, we've got other students who are doing, you know, they're, they're doing what they can and they're not seeing the fruit right away, but they're seeing others that are having success. And they're like, man, I've got to go out and do this. And I'll give you an example. Pastor and I were just talking about, we had a student who left uh, quarantine, just not where they needed to be with God. Well, their sister during this last six months has taken time and discipled somebody in her family. They came back from quarantine in our first services, hands lifted up, worshiping and seeking God. And their life is, is pleasing and they're seeking after God with all that they have. So we talk about it all the time and pastors talked about it. You don't have to go around the world to make a disciple. Sometimes it's as literally walking down the hallway in your house or walking across the aisle of the church. And so um, I think, you know, what pastor was saying about just celebrating the success because those students, they want to be there. And the average student is pretty competitive. I mean, we know this whenever you host a, a, a youth night, when bodies are flying and chairs are flying and games are going on, students are competitive and they want to be a part of what God is doing and they want to be, be successful in making disciples. Amen. Awesome. Awesome guys. Well, you know, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, I want to follow up with just a few questions, hopefully kind of representative of what, uh, our audience will be feeling and, and wondering here. Um, you know, obviously you've given us some great principle and we're thankful for that, but talk to us a little bit, uh, I'll probably direct this a little bit more to uh, to you, Brother Nathan. Um, you know, talk about your your vision on a week to week basis in your youth department. Um, you know, how do you put feet on these principles, uh, whether that be in a youth service? Obviously, you've talked a little bit about constantly communicating it, um, but but even um, maybe if there's some initiatives that you do, or if there's different programs or Bible studies or whatever that you try to encourage students to participate in, just kind of talk about the, uh, how you implement some of these principles on a week to week basis in your student ministry. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And so my first, after our first two months of being youth pastor, pastor and I sat down and he asked me, he, and I've never had anybody kind of ask me this question before, but he said, who are your influencers in your youth group? And I, took a step back and I was like, okay. And I listed four or five names and he said, how do we help? How do we get them to help us drive the vision of discipleship? And so my, my first piece of this would be find your influencers. If you know who your influencers are, great, get them on board and they'll help. They'll make this process really easy. So we identified four students, two females, two males. And we said, if somebody walks through those doors who you've never seen before your job, is to give them the biggest Holy Ghost hug you can ever give them and tell them that, hey, you're sitting with me today and just invite them to be a part of you. And um, we, we've also, we also challenged those students that when they saw somebody that they didn't recognize in the sanctuary, be over there and be a part of that. And this all started, you know, after pastor asked, asked me that, I said, man, am I doing a good enough job of that? And so my wife and I made it our mission that when somebody that we've never seen before that fell in our youth range, we went up to them, introduced them, and we brought a student with us every time. And look, there are some students that we don't get to, or you know, and it's not perfect. As Pastor said, I, I don't want you to think that we're we've got this nailed down. But this is what's helped us grow and helped us build that culture of disciples. And one quick story on that is, we had um, a student who made a disciple, 
And um, this disciple has been in church for just under two years. She saw somebody that did not look like her, did not sound like her, didn't have any kind of commonality, really. But she saw the hunger. She went over to her, introduced her, and, um, and she was like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you. They became friends. Little did she know that somebody who was um, working with this, this young lady already had asked me, hey, Nathan, who can we have reach out to her that can help disciple her, her in the hyphen age range? And it had happened so naturally because of the culture that I think that what we, when we step aside and just find our influencers, find those in your youth group who will buy in and that you can pour into. And I mean, I think it's clear that pastor pours into his church. He pours into his staff. He pours into the people that are influencers that are able to help drive the vision. So he's not having to go out there and say every single person, I, he has those influencers that can touch the people and can reach and help him push the vision of discipleship and help grow the church where it's just a, it's just a friendship. It's a common friendship where you're, you're meeting that person right where they're at. And like I said, it, it helps put the, put the feet to the mission. Sure. Just to, to follow up on that, you know, Brother Gleason, you mentioned that culture will eat vision for breakfast. So um, with what you just said about asking your influencers to uh, be the, I guess, essentially the welcoming committee, um, vision leaks. So, you know, how often do you have to follow up with that and, you know, find them in their little uh, clicks again and break it up and say, hey, guys, you know, let's, let's do you have to ever have to follow up like that? Because, you know, I know we've we've done st things like that as well. Um, and, and if it's what brother Gleason said, vision leak, sometimes you have to really be intentional to consistently follow up and, and really ensure that you're cultivating that culture. Would you agree with that or? Yeah, uh, I can respond to that. So, uh, Paul said, second Corinthians two thirteen. I had no rest in my spirit because I could not find Titus, my brother. And since I've been reading the New Testament through the lens of disciples, everything seems to take on a little bit different meaning. And uh, yes, vision does leak, but eventually it won't leak when the culture's changed. As long as the culture is a program based, come to church three times a week, pay your tithes, sing in the choir, you know, you know, uh, you know, come to the youth stuff. You know, if we have that, we're going to have clicks. We're going to have, uh, you know, problems. But when kids realize, like Nathan said, if we're willing to walk across the aisle, you know, my burden right now is for inreach. I've been thinking a lot about inreach. You know, it's an emotional appeal to reach the world and lost people. But if we just were intentional about our students that we have underfoot right now. Yeah. You know, what are the statistics, Brother Matt? I'm sure you don't have them on the tip of your tongue, but the kids that we lose in apostolic churches when they become hyphen age and young it's... adults because they haven't been discipled. They've yeah. been filled with the Holy Ghost. They've been in the youth choir. They go to youth camp, but they haven't been discipled. Mm. And so when we have this, where is Titus, my brother? When we have a few of the influencers in the youth group or in the congregation, Start modeling this and living this. Uh, culture shifts and yeah. culture will change. Mm. And uh, suddenly, you know, and one thing that's very powerful is when we uh, share testimonies. And I think the, for students especially, put them on video. Put the, put the stories on video. 
and let these kids see, you know, Billy Bob and the youth group that made a disciple out of John. And, and, and like Jim sitting out there, Billy Bob's a loser and he made a disciple. <laughs> if he can do that, anybody can do that. You know, sort of that, what Nathan was referring to earlier was a, sort of a positive peer pressure, but the culture will shift. Yeah. Yeah. It will shift. And one thing that I do in our pastoral staff that Nathan now does in his student staff is we go around our staff in the beginning of our staff meeting, tell us about your disciple. The children's pastor does it. The music minister does it. The ladies leader does it. The hospitality director does it. The men's director does it. I do it. Nathan does it. We all talk about what are we, before we get to the calendar, before we get to, you know, what's coming up and what we got to be aware of and what we all got to get on the same page for. We all talk about making disciples because if we're doing something in our church and our student ministry that's not about the mission, what do we need it for? Why do we so need good. it? Yeah. And I think that if students' ministry will get serious about the mission, a lot of the riffraff and junk a lot of times that we deal with in student ministry will go away because we don't have time for it. Yeah, yeah I totally uh, thank you for that answer. Um, you know, and I think what you're talking about and what has already been mentioned earlier in your comments, um, this is not just about discipling the lost people of our world. Ultimately, we want to see that. But um, to get a to get a mindset and a vision um, as a student, as a student pastor, for who's already there that maybe is just fringe, um, because it isn't just about discipling lost people, but it's, as you said, taking people to their next step. And we all, everybody can take another step. Everybody can take another step. So, um, you know, I, I guess it's communicating it in a way that that gives an entry level discipleship to a student, because I think sometimes reaching a lost person to a student perhaps can feel a little bit daunting, uh, just to be honest. Um, but, but I think to kind of give them some low hanging fruit, as it were, say, you know, you can impact somebody already in the building. I think that's a great way to communicate it. Yeah. And I'll also add, so we have, um, we are actually able to, uh, bring brother Caleb Leeson onto our youth team as our discipleship pastor. Like he is our student discipleship pastor and coordinates and reaches those students who maybe are on the fringe or helps those students who, as you just said it, maybe it is a little daunting. And you know what, let, let me, I'll sit with you. I'll help you because at the end of the day, when we build that culture and a prime example of this is we have a student on, on our youth group who's taught Bible studies. He's had a burden for it since he, since I moved here five years ago. And I'll never forget pastor called him up there on the pulpit and he's been teaching Bible studies since he was in like fourth grade, fifth grade. And here he has an opportunity now, someone, all he had to do was walk across the aisle to mm. a student who's always, you know, never really been all that committed. And, but all of a sudden now there's a need for the Holy ghost and wants to be baptized and being able to disciple that right there and having someone in our youth group, who's got, you know, the time and that commitment to say that I will be absolutely there to help you and I will develop and I'll help build that relationship. And if, like I said, and to youth leaders, if you don't have that kind of commitment to the mission, I mean, this is the mission. There is no other mission. This is the mission of what we do. And all we're asking and all we ask of our team and all we ask of our students is to be committed to the mission. And that is to go into all the world and to make disciples. That That's it. That's all we're asking. Yes. Um, just want to comment on that and get uh, some feedback or follow up. It seems like you guys at uh, the Life Church have been very intentional about 
uh, assigning roles, whether it's the influencers that you already mentioned. You mentioned uh, Brother Caleb Gleason, who is your student discipleship pastor. Um, I guess a couple of questions. Do you have a discipleship pastor in your church overall? And whether you do or don't, can you just comment what the, uh, I guess, the specific responsibilities of a role like that would look like for Brother Caleb or perhaps for another person on your staff? What does a discipleship pastor, what would their, um, I, I guess, roles and responsibilities specifically look like? What are the expectations of somebody like that? Yeah, so you always have to have a champion. You always need somebody, you know, that is responsible to, you know, direct and inspire and challenge. And, and of course, their uh, job is easier when the pastor is out in front, you know, leading it. The, la- the, worst, the last thing you want is, you know, to try to make something happen in the church and the pastor is, like, indifferent toward it. And so this has been our passion, you know, for the last, since uh, September of 2012, we've been talking about making disciples. And so um, our pastoral staff is actually in transition right now. Um, We've had jobs change. We've had responsibilities change. And so we're, we actually have a small group disciple making ministry because we believe that Disciples are most effectively made in small groups, more so than even on one-on-one because you're not working harder, you're working smarter. And so, uh, but anyway, yes, we have the champion for, for small group disciple-making groups. You know, we, we create our own curriculum. Uh, we also have borrowed from uh, UPC materials in seasons. Our small groups are... Um, are semester based and you know they have a start date and a stop date we've been doing small groups since uh the year 1990 Mm -hmm. and so we're not new to small groups and we're not new to making disciples but we finally figured out what we were doing (laughs) and so uh, on a student level caleb's responsibility is like nathan said to first of all start, he just got he just graduated. He just came back from an internship. Literally today is his first day on the job. <laughs> so you're still figuring and, out maybe a little bit of the uh, the specifics. Well, you know he's going to take everything to a new level. But we've sort of handed him a few pieces, and one of them is like Nathan said. You know he's going to be focused on the peripheral kids, and to partner established kids with peripheral kids. You know he's going to be working on building, we have P7 clubs, but establishing more P7 clubs to get uh, campus ministry, CMI up and running, to uh, train students how to make disciples. There is a training piece involved. It's not rocket science, but it takes time to explain how to do it, how they have the heart of a disciple maker, because you know we really don't talk much about it in, in the apostolic church, even though the Holy Spirit is a missionary disciple-making spirit, but let's not let theology get in the way. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, those are some of his most immediate pieces uh, in uh, you know, building the discipleship model in the student ministry. Yeah, I think that's wonderful to have somebody even, you know, I think reflecting on my role as youth pastor here in our local church, just, um, and this is even challenging to me and, and making me think about, you know, having somebody that's specifically assigned to that role that even to be, uh, maybe I would say overly cognizant of, of your fringe, um, the responsibilities, whether it be, uh, sermon prep and, and, and preaching and just leading the youth ministry, leading the rest of the youth team 
to have that one key member that that kind of constantly brings that back upstream to you is, I would guess, so valuable. So, I mean, maybe that's something that as you're listening today, it, it's something that you would like to implement. Find that key person on, on your youth team in your local church. Um, I just want to ask one other question. Um, I think Bible studies um, play a, a significant role in the discipleship process. Um, I think, you know, just even hearing some of your stories over the years, Brother Gleason, to me, that doesn't seem like the first thing you try to do when you come across somebody. You, you tell the story of the of your neighbor. I think it was, what, a year that you visited, and then he invited himself to church. How long before a Bible study started with that, with that uh, relationship? Yeah, this is a great piece right here because, uh, you know, Jesus called Nicodemus down from a tree. You know, he found his disciple up on a tree. <laughs> but but Jesus had a there you are spirit. And Nicodemus comes down and Jesus says, come with me to the synagogue. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. He said, I'm going to your house. Yeah. So good. I'm going to hang so out. Good. Matthew eleven nineteen. Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners. So he turned sinners into friends and friends into disciples. And so... We're building relationships with lost people. That's what we're doing. I tell our church every once in a while, my favorite smell in church is cigarette smoke. It's not your, you know, Tommy Hilfiger cologne. It's cigarette smoke because that means, you know, somebody's building relationships with lost people. Right. And, right. and so this is, how, this is how we do business. Um, and, you know, programs are great, but literally it's, it's just building the relationships uh, and being intentional about that wherever we are. So my neighbor, yeah, he had a major crisis in his home. I hadn't actually hadn't met him. He'd only been in the house for like two months. And so after the crisis was uh, aver uh, you know, subdued and all that, <clears throat> my wife and I went over there with chocolate chip cookies. We mm. made an introduction. You know, I, I said... Uh, Hello, I'm uh, Stanley O. Gleason, the uh, senior pastor of the Light Church and also the assistant general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. And I'm here at your... No, <laughs> it's just it's like, hey, uh, I'm Stan. This is my wife, Marlene. And what's your name? Mario. Well, Mario, we saw what happened here. We're so sorry. But we're just here to be your friends. And honestly, nothing happened for almost a year. Just oh. high and by, greeting at the mailbox, you know, shoveling snow, wintertime. How you doing? And one day I pulled in the driveway. It was Labor Day weekend, and he ran across the street, and he said, my daughter's talking about killing herself. Can you help me? Mm. It took a year. Wow. That might be a cue card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, well, I don't have any answers, but the Word of God does, and the God that I serve does. And so we just started having Bible study, and I never invited him to church. Just built a relationship with him. Yeah. And uh, so that's... And so after literally 10 months in his house, he finally said, where is your church? He wow. said, we're coming Sunday. Me and my kids, we're all going to be baptized. You know, I wish I could tell you that, you know, he's on my church board and, you know, made 10 disciples. And, you know, he's not, he doesn't even come to church right now. But you know what? He still calls me his pastor. And he's not really done with the world. When he's done with the world, he knows where to go. Yeah. And so uh, I'm still making friends. You know, that's why we don't call it soul winning at the Life Church, because yeah. 
when you win, it's over, but making yeah. disciples, it's never over. So. Yeah. so so, just to follow up, and this will be for you, Brother Nathan, um, you know, when you have a student, say, that has built a relationship and they are ready to take a, another young person or whomever into a Bible study or, or something where they're digging into the Word, uh, however you want to call it or frame it, um, what is what is a resource that you would recommend to a student? Do you guys have like a youth group or a church sponsored, if you will, uh, Bible study that you always direct to? Is it several things? Just, I guess, uh, give us some resources for Bible studies and discipleship in particular. We take them straight to the end time prophecies of everything. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we use uh, we have been using uh, P7 resources, believe it or not. Super easy to kind of get through and to kind of build relationship with. And then when we're ready to take that next step, as Pastor said, we've built our own curriculum here. Um, this is the first year that we haven't been able to host a Disciple Makers Conference due to COVID, but um, we've hosted a Disciple Makers Conference here where we've had people pretty much from all over the country come and to kind of hear how the vision of the Life Church and kind of what we're bringing to life. And as Pastor said, it's not nowhere near perfect here, but what we're doing and striving is, is building that curriculum out. And we've built this curriculum out um, through us and we use it. Uh, we've had several people on our staff add stuff to it. And so our students use that. Um, and then again, like I said, we use the P7. It's a super informal way yes. um, to kind of go out there and to build relationships. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff, it talks about stuff that they're going to face in high school, whether that's fear or, you know, anxiety, things like that. Believe it or not, it's a real issue that people face. And so, I mean, it's a really easy way to break down that barrier. And then as it naturally progresses, we really do, you know, we start to, you know, maybe go a little bit deeper. And obviously you're going to go the pace of your disciple. As pastor said, you're not trying to get them into the church day one and, you know, have them. That, that's great. But at the reality of it is that friendship and that relationship that we build. And so, like I said, we um, there's several different methods that we use, but a lot of it has been in-home stuff, that in-house stuff that the, the Life Church has put together through our curriculum. And Matt, let me just jump in here and, and, and mention that there's one distinct difference between a Bible study relationship and a disciple-making relationship. And this is the key that I think some people miss. You know, when you're teaching a Bible study, you're basically dispensing information one way. Mm -hmm. And, and the goal is obviously to get them, you know, to obey the gospel. That's what we want to, to see happen. But after they obey the gospel and we're teaching that Bible study, now that they're born again, we've earned the right to, I hate to add, say it this way, but put a demand on the disciple. And let me give you Jesus' model of this. It's, it's John fourteen twelve when Jesus said, look, guys, the things that I'm doing, you're going to be doing them because I'm not going to be doing that forever. The things that I'm doing, you're going to do, and even greater than these will you do. And then Jesus said, and I'm out of here. I'm right. going to the Father. So I'm training you, and I'm putting an expectation on you. I'm putting a demand on you. And so when, when after our disciple is born again, they don't even know they're a disciple. We may never even say, uh, I am your disciple maker. I am your rabbi. You are my Talmudin. You know, no, we don't, we don't have that conversation with them. But, uh, but, but we start putting an expectation on them. Like, for example, okay, look, next week when we get together here at Starbucks, I'd like for you to memorize this key verse in this chapter yeah. we were talking about today. And then uh, just answer these three questions uh, that I texted to you or that, you know, you've given them a printout or whatever. And 
we do have our own stuff, but there's no rhyme or reason to it. We're not ready to open our bookstore and sell all of our stuff. You know, we're just figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I just bought a book that's a 40-day uh, journey book, and I'm stealing it and making 40 disciple-making lessons. Well, I'm stealing it in Jesus' name, and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing I'm new under the sun, Brother Gleason. That's correct, sir. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're just creating disciple-making lessons. Basically, for lack of a better word to say it in a really bad way, the difference between a Bible study and a disciple-making time is you give your disciple homework, the dirty word, homework. Yeah. But if they don't do it, they're sending you a message. I have people all the time, how do I know when to cut bait if they're not progressing? Well, give them something to do. Give them an assignment. If they do the assignment, then you'll be encouraged. If they don't, they're sending you a message that I'm wasting my time with you. I wish you'd get out of my life. And you know what? Jesus said that. Send out your peace. If your peace comes back, shake the dust off, head down the road. Right. Yeah. So the only way we do that is to put an expectation on them. That's, that's great insight. Well, gentlemen, it has been an honor to have you on the uh, podcast today talking about discipleship in the youth context. So appreciate your time. Uh, maybe just leave with one final question. I'll leave you with a last word before we sign off for the day. Um, you know, of course, you've talked about how uh, three keys, I would say, to uh, maybe implement this, uh, to talk about it. You know, you can't, you can't uh, create this culture if you're not talking about a discipleship culture. Um, you got to model it and you got to tell their stories. Those are the three things that you mentioned earlier. Um, but to a youth pastor today that has heard this, and they feel like it's lacking in their student ministry or in their youth group, if you would just take a moment and, I guess, give them their next step, give them a word of encouragement, something that they can leave from this podcast with today, to, kind of to give them that shot in the arm uh, that they need to, uh, to see this be implemented in their youth group. Either one of you can answer or both or whatever. It's up to you. I think both of us... Uh, <laughs> But to, to the student pastor, um, first thing I would do is pray, um, find a place of prayer and get, and don't leave until you have that heart of a disciple maker. Um, because I think it's so important in, um, as a leader that you've got to model it. And look, if pastor, like pastor had said earlier, if, if he's saying, go do this and he's not interested in it, um, and he's just not doing it himself, it's not going to work. But our church has seen it modeled. Pastor has baptized his own disciples. And at our church, the disciple makers, if they're living right and they're living holy, they're baptizing their disciples. And it is so impressive to see somebody who's never baptized somebody before baptizing. So I would pray that you can find that, find that peace that God is looking, that book of Acts, that, that, that real first century church. Uh, and then the second piece of this, a little bit more practical, is I would... Um, Find, find, the, find the influencers in your youth group and put them, and as Pastor said, when you give somebody something to do, they're either going to rise to the occasion or they're not, and then find somebody else. If they don't rise, but you're going to give somebody an opportunity. Those, those four students that we tasked with five years ago at this point to say, hey, you're the welcoming committee. Simple as simple as that. All four of them are in Bible school and doing ministry today. And there's no greater testament that they have, all four of those have built disciples. All four of those have welcomed people into their home that don't look like them, that don't talk like them, and are perhaps a different language. And they've, they've built their life on that. And when you do that as a student leader, 
and you're modeling it yourself and you're building those relationships and you're implementing the vision and the, the culture of the church in everything that you do, uh, as Pastor said, that culture will begin to flow and it will begin to be something that you see. So I can't overstress that enough of finding your influencers and getting them on board with your culture. For us, it took us took an amount to launch. It was you know super simple, but it really helped drive the vision and the culture of what we're trying to accomplish here at the Life Church. And Brother Matt, I would just uh, tag on to Brother Nathan and say, here's what we have working for us as student pastors. Here's what we know. We're all filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is a missionary yeah. spirit. It's a go spirit. Jesus didn't say, go invite people to church. No, that's not the direction of the mission. The mission is we go. You know, it's not y'all come, right. it's you all go. Right. And so the Holy Ghost in us wants to go on an adventure. It wants to go on an adventure, and we know that. So the last thing I'll say is uh, we had a family in our church for 10 years, uh, homeschool. All the kids are homeschooled. Uh, the oldest female, never been to a public school, graduated from high school, stepped on her campus her college campus, a community college campus, and she said, I looked at my campus and said, this is my mission field. And in the next two years, she baptized nine disciples, and one of them is what is who Brother Nathan referred to earlier, who reached out to this girl, already was doing it, uh, and making a disciple out of this girl that was someone that was not like her. And so... If I was to inspire a student pastor, I would say there's somebody sitting in your youth group right now. They may be homeschooled and you're thinking, what in the world? They don't never even been out in the world. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit and they want to go on assignment. That's powerful. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time today. It has been insightful. It has been challenging. And I know that it's going to be a blessing to our listeners. And to all of you that have tuned in today, we want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be a part of the Youth Ministries podcast. Brother Gleason, Brother Santamieri, uh, been so great to have you today. You take a moment, rate this podcast, review it, share it with a friend. It really helps with visibility. Again, thank you for being on the Youth Ministries podcast with us today. We hope you have a great day. God bless.